that was another achievement for me to overcome that feeling and fear of feeling reserved and vulnerable because um, whatever you write will be seen by many, many people and there will be people with who will disagree with you and some are going to love it and some going to hate it and that's the reality of sharing opinions, right? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Artists of Data Science podcast, the only self-development podcast for data scientists. You're going to learn from and be inspired by the people, ideas, and conversations that will encourage creativity and innovation in yourself so that you can do the same for others. I also host Open Office Hours. You can register to attend by going to bitly.com forward slash a-D-S-O-H. I look forward to seeing you all there. Let's ride this beat out into another awesome episode. And don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave a five-star review. Our guest today is a data science leader who is evolving the way people look at AI and innovation. He's an entrepreneur, investor, author, academic, and technical manager by profession, and he's on a mission to inspire people through his involvement in the latest technologies, trends, and projects. But he started from humble beginnings as a software engineer and startup founder, working in various IT roles before joining the Australian Computer Society as the head of data science and AI. You may recognize him from LinkedIn, where he's a constant force of empowerment and is always sharing high-quality education and learning materials to help prospective data scientists through their journeys. When he's not sharing insightful resources, he's sharing some of the most dope videos showcasing everyday applications of machine learning and artificial intelligence. So please help me in welcoming our guest today, one of the newly minted LinkedIn top voices in data science and AI for 2020, the data science thunder from down under, Steve Nori. Steve, my man, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to come onto the show. Awesome. Thank you very much, Harpreet. It's, uh, it, it was an amazing intro. I just, uh, I'm still um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> super shocked. Uh, the best intro I've ever received and, uh, and the rhyme was uh, also amazing. I just it love is, it. Thank you. It's absolutely my pleasure, man. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited that you're able to come onto the show. Really excited to, to learn more about you and pick your brain on some topics that I know I'm for sure going to be interested in and the audience is most definitely going to be interested in as well. But let's learn a little bit more about you. Where did you grow up and what was it like there? So I'm originally from Iran, immigrated to Australia six, seven years ago. And uh, Iran is a a very interesting place to learn tech and engineering. Pretty much a lot of young um, students would love to uh, get into engineering by default. And um, from that regard, we have a lot of resources and uh, great community to learn from and interact. And that, that was 
uh, major push for me to get into software engineering. And I was lucky to have an uncle that um, was a kind of a software engineer before I even know what is, uh, what is computer and what is um, programming. And I guess that, that was another push for me to, to start with uh, as a career. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's a kind of, uh, um, you know, in, interesting, uh, coincident to, um, um, have a family member in, in this industry and also being surrounded by, um, lots of engineers like my dad and, and my family, other family members. Um, so it was a kind of a no brainer to pick one of the engineering topics. And this one um, sounds a little bit more interesting because I was a very good computer player um, and I played a lot of computer games. Uh, honestly, I just uh, spent a lot of time playing and um, enjoying my time with these games. And I thought, uh, let's give it a try. And maybe uh, computer engineering is similar to computer games, which is not. Uh, but back then, um, I, I thought, there is a connection and uh, you would enjoy uh, the same kind of, uh, you know, uh, vibe that you do on uh, when you're doing some games. Uh, but yeah, it's a lot more tougher than that. Yeah, I mean, I could tell you're a hardcore gamer. You got like the proper gaming chair going on. That's, that's <laughs> re- it's really, really nice chair, man. So yeah, it's interesting. There's a lot of similarities between like our cultures. Like I'm Indian by by heritage uh, engineering is huge obviously and in the indian culture and indian community as well uh, where i live here in winnipeg there's actually a huge population of iranian people as well um most of them studying engineering and stuff that if i recall correctly i keep seeing one uh, particular university pop-up is i think it's called like amir kabir university does that sound at all familiar yes yeah, yeah. one of the top universities in the country yeah, yeah, I see a lot of uh, students from there when I'm like scouting people on LinkedIn um, that are here in Manitoba. One of my wife's really good friends is actually Iranian as well. Um, she's comes from like the Baha'i faith. And when I lived in Chicago, I had an opportunity to go to the Baha'i temple there. And it was beautiful, absolutely beautiful, man. Amazing, amazing. That's great. Yeah, I, I think um, that's the kind of shared culture for loving the high tech and engineering uh, in that region and everybody wants to um, kind of pursue one of the relevant careers and then um, so that that that's kind of uh, uh, a privilege for um, someone like me to be among those people and learn from them so when you're when you're in high school like you know as a as a hardcore gamer playing video games and stuff in high school what did you think your future was going to look like so like back in high school, there was a lot of good news about software corporates uh, kind of um, success like uh, Microsoft. And um, I was always uh, uh, kind of in my dream, I was always thinking that uh, um, I would be also an entrepreneur having a uh, um, similar kind of journey making some amazing software that everybody gonna love and um, use on daily basis and um, and then I guess a little bit later 
we um, I heard about the Facebook success, which was also in a very great story. So um, I was always thinking it will be online platform that people are going to use on a daily basis for something. I, I didn't know what it is going to be. You ended up doing a little bit of entrepreneurial work, right? So how did that kind of come about? Were you just like looking for opportunities? I guess I guess what I'm trying to determine is like, is there like a certain mindset for an entrepreneur? Like, do you, like when you're trying to go out and start a business, like what is it that you're looking for in the world around you? Um, yeah, so always love to um, uh, make new things. So when I was a gamer, uh, always play the strategic games. So that was like go-to for me. Um, things like uh, uh, SimCity and Civilization and and um, all the things related to strategy. I just loved it from, I guess, uh, my childhood. And I guess that's kind of the softer skills that I brought in as a software engineer with myself to think a big plan and... Um, come up with the strategies in the long term. Um, so that kind of, with that kind of mindset, I was always uh, thinking about what project can, um, can be interesting for people, can add value, and um, uh, can scale up and be um, kind of interesting to invest. With that, I tried many things, I guess at least three startups, uh, one back when I was in Iran and two here in Australia. And the last two projects that I'm working on, one is the Hackmaker project, which is about uh, helping uh, uh, companies and uh, I guess organizations run hackathons in a kind of SaaS model uh, platform. But it is very early stages and we're trying to you know, scale it up. Um, we had a two we, um, successful events uh, in the last couple of months. One was the Global AI Hackathon and the other one was the Cybersecurity Hackathon, which um, uh, was concluded uh, a couple of days ago. All of them with huge success, uh, 4,000 participants for the first one and 2,200 for the Asia Pacific Cybersecurity Hackathon, which is a very niche kind of uh, topic and not a lot of people will be interested. So uh, that that's great. So what I believe will be interesting and something that will resonate with myself is a project that would add value to the public directly, uh, give them some kind of some sense of upskilling and learning. And uh, they feel that they will be more successful in their professional life through interacting with this platform. And that's why the hackathon was um, one of them. And the second one is the Spotlit AI, which I'm crafting some um, courses. The first one was um, about LinkedIn Masterclass um, helping people to understand how to be more successful on social media. And that's my own take on social media with my own experience uh, for a couple of years that I've been um, active on LinkedIn. And I guess it's a kind of a different take. Like I'm, I'm joking with people, that's a data scientist take on LinkedIn. It's 
like uh, a little bit different from um, the, um, I guess, the classic way of looking at social media, probably those that are uh, um, marketing managers and marketing experts, they will look at it from different angle. Uh, but uh, I'm 100% sure it will add value to my audience. And that's why I'm uh, passionate about it as well. Yeah, actually, I signed up for the course that it was like at the time of this recording, or at least a, a week before the time of this recording, it was on sale for like 25 USD. I got the pre-sale for it. So I was like, dude, that's pretty cheap. I'll check it out, see if I can learn some of that Steve Nori magic and get me 270,000 followers, man. How did you do that? How long have you been on LinkedIn? So you started, you said a couple of years, did you actually get like 200 plus thousand followers in a couple of years? What was that, what was that trajectory like? Yeah, first of all, thank you for uh, signing up for the course. Um, uh, 100% sure there is some interesting stuff that um, everybody will uh, kind of um, get value from this course and hopefully um, you'll also enjoy it. I literally signed up to LinkedIn, I guess, eight or nine years ago. And back then I was thinking like LinkedIn is for experts to share something insightful and for others, it's a place to put your resume and every now and then update your resume. And when you want to change your job, look for new vacancies. That was the mindset. So if you think about it, I, I was kind of every now and then logging in, liking and sharing a couple of random posts if I see it on my you know feed and um, not looking for anything specific and that that was it until I guess um, um, three four years ago um, when I was a lecturer at university I I was getting a lot of questions about how to learn AI and data science and from my own students it was like um, you know any resources to learn Python or I want to brush up my um, SQL um, query skills. Um, and I, I was searching, researching about these resources to give away to my own students. And I was getting a lot of these uh, interesting, um, you know, sources that um, seemed really useful for anyone who, who is interested. So I thought, why not give it a try? See if anybody else around the world has the same question. And uh, because I was doing it anyway, it wasn't something that I'm, um, I planned for LinkedIn specifically. So there was no effort, no thinking, just putting it in a post and say like, All right, these are a couple of resources to learn SQL Server. These are a couple of resources for Python programming. And that just like uh, organically grew. And I kind of got shocked based on the, you know, in interactions and engagement I received on my post, it just went super um, viral super quickly. Um, and I wasn't expecting that. I, I still had a mindset that um, um, LinkedIn is for um, just very few people that are super expert in um, any particular field. And uh, yeah, I, I think that that started me to think more, doing research, learning more about social media engagement, personal branding. And um, I guess 
from three years ago, I started ramping up my activities and um, and building the same community um, from there. No regrets. Uh, spend a lot of good time on on LinkedIn, and I'm totally enjoying uh, the results. Was there like a particular post or particular resource you share that just all of a sudden just went wildfire and you just started gaining a bunch of followers or was it always just a little bit like discrete chunks of, of followers consistently coming through? Um, it was pretty much always consistent. Uh, there was a couple of posts that went super viral and um, I guess like shock moments for me is like when I like it, last year my uh, one of my posts went um, for more than a million views and I was like that was the first post that went a million views for me and I was like wow like one million people in the world have seen my post and that's a lot of people and uh, that, that was very um, I guess moment of truth for me that how uh, powerful social media can be. But then there is no 100% correlation between the views and the number of um, engagement or uh, also number of you know, followers that you will get because of that, kind, that particular post. There's like always a complex relation between these things. And, um, and then um, the last kind of viral post I had was, I guess, three or four months ago, which had 3 million views and um, around um, 100K um, likes and, and um, interactions. So what I've found through this uh, journey, it's about consistency. You will not get any benefit because of uh, one anomaly and people will not start trusting you just because one of your um, uh, posts went super viral uh, it's a long game yeah it's an interesting point about that consistency and trust when you're on that platform so if i can kind of just summarize what what i've got over the last few minutes here is that you know the the key really is to just add value to whoever it is that's following you and whether that's in the form of sharing a resource or putting your idea out there you don't necessarily need to be an expert to do those things, right? You don't need to be an expert to help somebody. That's like saying that if I saw somebody like about to run into the street and get hit by a bus, I need to be an expert at saving lives before I yell, watch out, don't do that, right? So that's kind of that. You don't need to be like the utmost authority on something for you to provide content that could help somebody and give them value. And then just doing yeah, that on totally. the Doing that on a consistent basis with just high quality material, I guess, is and it just accumulates just a little bit chunks at a time, chunks at a time until all of a sudden you've got this mass, massive reach, which I, I can imagine, man, it's probably like such a, it's probably an interesting feeling to know that uh, you did something and then there are literally millions of people all across the world who see your name attached to this piece of content, man. What, what is that like? To be very honest, it's a little bit terrifying because then you feel yourself exposed, right? You feel that you are 
being liked by many people and all of us may uh, feel that um, there are vulnerabilities there and what if there is a typo in my post and uh, what, what is there something that's not 100% correct and I kind of that was another achievement for me to overcome that feeling and fear of feeling reserved and vulnerable because um, whatever you write will be seen by many, many people. And there will be people with, who will disagree with you. And some are going to love it and some going to hate it. And that's the reality of sharing opinions, right? Um, I can see that the, the same is happening for LinkedIn. Um, whenever I want to summarize or come up with some kind of, uh, um, you know, short wording for encouraging people, um, there will be people going to love it and some will going to disagree, which is totally fine. I'm, I'm getting uh, kind of used to it as long as um, you add value and you stay open to discussions, then that's totally fine to um, have disagreement. Also, typos is another thing that just makes me uh, feel sometimes nervous when I share super quickly. It's like people saying, ah, there's one I missing in your sentence. And I really want to have high quality uh, you know, piece of content and make sure people understand that I take my time and put effort into uh, generating content. So if there's any error in uh, misspelling, it will just break my heart a little bit. I mean, some people are just always going to be nitpicky, man. They're always going to nitpick on like one little thing, right? So, but that's, that's an interesting point. So I get messages from people and they're asking me like, oh my God, how do you, how do you post? And, you know, why aren't you afraid of posting stuff? I'm like, I barely put anything out there. But that fear, I think, is a very common thing that a lot of people have to wrestle with and grapple with. How do you suggest somebody who is facing that or feeling that, like, push past it and overcome that? Um, I guess the the first step is just connect and interact with others that are sharing and they're more um, uh, competent and feel more, I guess, um, open to sharing on LinkedIn and by interacting with their posts, you will get some kind of uh, insights and by this engagement, you will feel more relaxed to, um, uh, to share your own insights on, online because anyway, um, a comment is kind of a um, similar piece of content that you can share it as a post, but it will be seen by less people uh, there, there, um, less, um, I guess, um, vulnerability is there. No risk. It's your opinion, and um, you can just try it and see how it goes. If if that um, feels natural and and um, feels more of your character, then you can. Um, try to step up and share things as your post. And it can be just, um, I've seen this post, it was amazing, and um, go and check it out. It can be a reshare. It doesn't need to be uh, something 100% um, original to start with, right? It, 
a lot of time people think that they need to um, have original piece of content to start, which is not the case. You can always add value by resharing uh, others' posts and just having one sentence from yourself as, as a comment that uh, will showcase um, your knowledge or your opinion. And that's the point that people will start resonating with you. I guess that's a good way for, um, for people to step into becoming more active. Yeah, it's like you got a voice, use it, right? You've got the ability to say something, share your opinion. You're really doing the world a disservice if you're holding yourself back from sharing something because you're afraid that you might get laughed at or somebody might comment that they didn't, you you misplaced an I in one of your words. Like, who cares, man, right? If you got an opinion, then then share it and be heard and contribute value, right? Because you never know who that could impact further down the line, right? Totally agree. So you probably get bombarded with a bunch of messages on LinkedIn. I'm sure, you know, with 270,000 plus followers, people are probably hitting you up quite often. What is your favorite type of message or your favorite type of question to get from your audience? So that's right. And it's, um, that's something that um, I need to step up because I receive around 50 to 100 messages daily. And um, that's the part uh, uh, from the comments that, that will be shared under my post, which is around 500 per post. So if you think about it, if I'm posting two or three times a day, I'm going to end up with at least um, a thousand or maybe more of uh, comments and messages. And it really takes time to get uh, back to all of them. So I, I do my best that sometimes even I uh, uh, put a day um, uh, aside for getting back to these messages and try my best to um, uh, acknowledge and um, share some quick tips and guide, guidance uh, as much as I can. Um, and along the way, I get a lot of interesting messages from um, um, thanking and appreciating what I shared um, uh, before or generally uh, acknowledging and appreciating the effort that I've uh, put into my post. So I remember a um, couple of the highlights that, I, um, that just motivates me to do more. Uh, one was from a PhD student. Uh, he just sent me a message and he's like, um, your post made me to change my course to uh, become a PhD uh, a student in, in machine learning. And I was uh, learning something else, which, which is totally good and fine. And I, um, I just love all the courses, but that, that just made that person to be interested in changing um, kind of his career. And he was so um, happy with his current um, studies. And it's like, yeah, that totally um, resonates with what I want to do for my life. So that was, for me, it looked like uh, changing somebody's life. And that's um, very touching. 
also, I received another message a couple of months ago from a venture capital in US telling me that they have uh, found uh, some of uh, uh, some of the startups that they have um, funded uh, through my post, and they have one particular person that just like following all my posts daily and write uh, some insights down uh, to. Uh, to understand the trends and uh, you know get more insights from there. So that's also uh, something I wasn't expecting, and um, that was kind of uh, uh, so encouraging for me to uh, make sure. First of all, I put more effort to uh, do more and have higher quality because people are kind of relying more and more on, on the insights as well. And yeah, my favorite ones are uh, those um, um, uh, that people share their own life story that um, if they got something uh, out of my post that kind of impacted their career or life in a positive way. Um, But apart from that, I get many of these messages that are just simply... Uh, about how to become a data scientist, how to become more successful in the career. They are also great, uh, but because they pop up very frequently, um, I guess that's um, something I usually try to address through my posts because um, uh, that's something that will kind of help and touch more people at the same time. Some of the funny ones, I guess, uh, uh, people asking me to uh, do their... Uh, university assignments that's a kind of uh, funny one that I receive every now and then it's like somebody is like oh my due date is next week I've touched it it's so difficult can you do my assignments or uh, sending me their source code to debug their uh, program is also the, something uh, funny and interesting uh, that was going to be my next question is what type of questions annoy you but I think I got that that answer at the tail end there. But yeah, I agree with you that some questions are just so easily Googleable, right? Like those questions like, how do I become a data scientist? Well, I mean, obviously like you can quickly Google that and, and figure that out. But I get messages where people are like giving me their entire life history. And then they're like, what should I do with my life? And I'm like, man, like, I don't even know you. Like, I can't, <laughs> why are you trusting? Like, that's a lot of pressure on me. To like tell you what direction to take in life. Like, should I come to the U.S. and abandon my green card situation? I'm like, man, dude, I can't touch that. That's, man. I can't. Yeah, I that's both. that's too deep. Uh, yeah, I understand. So that's exactly what I receive as well. Like, um, so googling is something I every now and then I share about as a as a meme or as a fun joke, whatever it is, just to make sure people understand how much Googling is important because um, so that that's another funny story. So I, I'm not lecturing anymore, but when I was a lecturer, I, I was getting some very random, but very simple questions um, that can be found super easily online. So I was, uh, I, I'm not proud of it, but I was forcing students to search on Google and show me their search first before asking me that question. And uh, that's something, I guess, I hope that touched some people's lives as well as like pushing them. Because uh, I was telling them in the real life, 
yeah, if you have this question, you cannot just literally go to your supervisor and say, um, you know, I don't know how to print on, in Python and can you show me? And it's like, there's lots of documents and ways to understand this. Uh, you, you don't need to just take some senior engineers uh, time for this kind of stuff. So I was uh, asking them to do that. I received a lot of good results. The worst one is just like they found it, but they cannot understand it. It's just still fine. I'll help them to just um, um, understand the document because some of the documents are actually a little bit complex. Um, and that's why there are lots of other courses and, and uh, learning materials out there. Otherwise, just everybody just read the um, library's documentation and become uh, the best programmer in the world. What's up, artists? I would love to hear from you. Feel free to send me an email to theartistsofdatascience at gmail.com. Let me know what you love about the show. Let me know what you don't love about the show. And let me know what you would like to see in the future. I absolutely would love to hear from you. I've also got open office hours that I will be hosting. And you can register by going to bitly.com com forward slash a d s o h i look forward to hearing from you all and i look forward to seeing you in the office hours let's get back to the episode yeah googling is a very very important skill i think everybody should at least spend some time getting familiar with google advanced search and being proficient with that because it just makes your experience looking for information so much better if you're able to to do those advanced searches speaking of googling how the hell do you find these videos man like these videos you post on like where do you come up with like i tried looking for some i don't know i don't know what your secret is man can you can you share is that is that too much of a secret share with us <laughs> no no it's not a secret at all uh so that's very interesting the the reason even I started the sharing these videos because um, so when I kind of stopped um, uh, being an academic, I joined a startup. And in the startup world, there's always a questions about what's happening in the world. Like what's the cutting edge? Well, uh, who is doing similar stuff in um, my space, right? That's something that you constantly are monitoring. And I was monitoring the same space as well to, to understand what are the opportunities and who is doing what. And um, that was something normal daily for me. Um, and then again, I started sharing that uh, passion of mine that's something that I was doing for myself with the rest of the world. So it was no um, extra effort. I mean, maybe a little bit because you need to still uh, put some time to frame it uh, for your audience. But then the, the content was ready. Um, so what I was doing in the beginning, I was just checking all the news, like these uh, major uh, news providers in tech, AI, IT, and um, to understand who is doing what. If this um, new startup raised some money, I'll try to go to their website and see if they shared any more information about their product and if their product is presentable. Because if this, this is something that they don't have any marketing material, then I 
I cannot just share it. So that's, that's how easy as it was. But right now, I'm actually, to be honest, I'm getting help from my um, followers and connections. So I'm asking them to share it with me. And I have uh, a form in my um, LinkedIn profile asking people to share interesting stuff with me. So I get like maybe hundreds of them um, daily. And I go through them and kind of frame it for my um, next couple of hours or next day. And uh, that's pretty much as easy as it is. I'm getting a lot of interesting projects. Um, and that, and people just send me messages like, um, hey, Steve, have you checked this um, robotic arm making coffee? And um, have you seen that, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, drone delivering uh stuff and that that's how i i get to find these uh new materials are you subscribed to any like newsletters or periodicals that you get from from the industry to keep up on times uh yeah i do receive some newsletters as well but i find it a little bit um i guess late if i want to just rely on newsletter weekly newsletters by the time that i get those uh, news, it's already uh, uh, kind of uh, shared and, and I, I would say would, I would lose the momentum with those newsletters. So I would rather to be on top of the fresh news um, from the um, you know, better re updated resources than, than things that will accumulate and be shared um, kind of periodically. What are some of the news sources that we should follow if you want to be keeping up on on the latest and greatest in machine learning, data science, and AI? Um, so the way I do this, I would usually spend like one or two hours a day just uh, checking the space, like big tech companies, um, and because they usually have something cooking always uh there's something under the hood like if you check google um microsoft um, facebook nvidia open ai um you we will always get something out of them other than that um it's also the trends on social media and google is the best to to understand uh, what's coming out and then i um kind of find the uh, best and most interesting news for my audience every day and um, try to at least share three to four posts a day. It just depends on my uh, availability and how uh, busy I am through the day. But I will try to make it more than two or three uh, to make sure everybody is on top of the news and updates. So when somebody says like the word thought leader, what does that what does that mean to you? Does that is that something that just is keeping up on the the cutting edge, or is there more to it than that? I believe a thought leader is a person that um, shares, um, I guess, their own opinion and um, kind of has some original content added to the latest trends and cutting edge. Um, if it is a technology or if it's thought leader in any specific topic or area, uh, it needs to be more than just, um, um, I guess, a news feed. 
and uh, you need to um, add value by either um, crafting some kind of, um, uh, I guess, understanding your understanding or um, coming up with um, some interesting insights that you receive um, out of all these trends um, and, uh, you know, news that are available for everyone. So it's a little bit more than just um, just sharing. It's uh, thought leadership needs, uh, I guess, a deeper understanding. And that's kind of one of the reasons that I think um, I'm putting more effort into adding more value by adding my own insights because I would like um, people to um, kind of hear the story from different angles, sometimes by making it more simpler, sometimes by adding kind of a little bit of a spin, um, sometimes a prediction, or um, sometimes aggregation of all the different kind of stories that are happening in this um, same area. So where do you see the field of AI headed in like the next five years in the, you know, from now until 2025? Yeah, that's a very difficult question. Uh, the prediction of future, um, I guess, is, is the most difficult one. But what I can see right now, uh, because of the COVID, uh, we are going to be hit a little bit from the commercial perspective. Um, it seems the investments are becoming a little bit slower. The pipelines are getting slower and fundings are not um, getting to as many startups that we would like to see. Uh, but at the same time, I guess uh, corporates and just big companies um, are getting more and more data because of our engagement with um, online um, uh, platforms. And that's, that's a kind of a uh, different trend in the corporate world. It, it, their AI and data science projects are going faster forward and you can see the speed and the quality uh, will, will change in the next couple of years. Uh, and also, I would say um, augmented reality and AI is a kind of a next trend in the, in the next couple of years. Uh, you'll see a lot more of these two coming up together to, um, you know, either disrupt something or, or augment or shape some new kind of um, uh, tools or uh, platforms. Um, as an example, I just uh, shared a post about um, a Japanese retailer that were using augmented reality to um, kind of uh, control uh, a cool, interesting robot doing the, um, the work in the re retail store on behalf of the um, employees. And that employee was working at home and controlling um, the robot itself, which was um, really interesting to watch. But at, at the end of the day, they were actually getting a lot of data 
about how to do the job um, itself that might be used in future to train the uh, robot to be totally autonomous. So this is like kind of uh, using AI and AR kind of in combination to um, kind of shape the future of the work in that particular area. And I can say that um, there are lots of more interesting updates um, when um, the, the, especially the, the, uh, there are upgrades on like AR glasses. And so yeah, the, the Japanese uh, retailer, uh, they use augmented reality and AI to get more information to um, you know later uh, automate the processes. And I think the same will be happening in uh, different industries. And specifically, when they upgrade the AR glasses to become more, um, you know, higher quality, uh, less expensive, and easier to wear, then that will be the game changer. And people will start interacting and buying more of those devices. So do you see a certain industry really starting to boom and blossom because of this COVID world that we now live in? Because there's always like data scientists, like, you know, as part of data science dream job, I've got like 2,500 mentees and then people messaging me on LinkedIn asking questions and everybody's like, I want to be a data scientist, but I don't know what I want to do as a data scientist. Is there a particular industry that you think people should really start researching up on, getting really familiar with and understanding the types of problems that they're facing in that industry? I guess... So there are two folds. The, this question is twofold. First of all, uh, if you want to be a data scientist and you don't know still what you're passionate about, uh, I guess just give it a try and um, see what would stick because um, you never know. It's better not to just stick to the trends because trends will come up and die and you will be left with some, doing something that you don't actually like. Right, so that's always uh, my uh, suggestion to anyone asking me is like, all right, what's hot right now? I'm like, this, this is maybe hot right now, but next year maybe it's not hot anymore. And if you're going towards something just because of being trendy, uh, you will probably miss a lot of opportunities. Um, so that's from there for enthusiasts. But at the same time, um, if you just want to know um, what will be the, the trend for the next year, I guess healthcare and education are going to be the major um, industries that will leverage AI. It already started um, for healthcare this year and last year, but it will continue uh, being, I guess, one of the trendy topics. Um, and education will start kind of blooming um i guess from this year on and it will get even become even faster because a lot of people are online using courses and and um, using online materials uh the engagement the um you know money will help them to um i guess develop things faster and add more features and um i i think that the future um, I guess in corporate world would be um, kind of reliant on a couple of 
large companies that are delivering education, maybe in different way, maybe some value added, and they will become some kind of next Google, Microsoft in the next three to four years. Speaking of education, both both you and I are fairly educated. We've got you know graduate degrees in our in our fields. But do you think that data scientists necessarily need to pursue graduate training or do they need to go to university? What's your thoughts on that? What's your views on that? With so many, you know, online resources, you could take the entire MIT computer science curriculum online on your own, if, you know, for free if you wanted to. So the, the quick answer is no, you don't need uh, a university degree to, to be a professional in data science specifically. But I think you're kind of moving towards the time that university degree is not mandatory for kind of any, uh, uh, any courses, I guess, at least, apart, at least for engineering, I guess. Um, and because the similar information is available everywhere um, on the internet, even the university courses are available, the syllabuses and materials you just mentioned are easily accessible for everyone around the world. But there are a couple of things more to it. I guess university will also bring some other advantages of like being among a very smart cohort of people that are learning the same thing at the same time with kind of similar goals will, will be super helpful. It will push you towards um, your goals just because of having people with the same goal. And also there are lots of opportunity of finding, um, you know, um, co-founders, you know, like uh, lifelong friends and, and uh, colleagues. And these are also uh, some advantages of being among that kind of uh, cohort of, you know, smart people, which usually needs a bit of more of um, face-to-face time to build that bonding, right? If you think about um, the tech giants in the world, I guess Google, Microsoft, and Facebook specifically, they kind of they were born out of university by uh, university students. And I guess they were kind of the co-founders all kind of from the same university. They found each other and they uh, trusted each other through this kind of interactions. Uh, so I guess universities are going to be something more than just uh, course material. And also the mentoring piece is also very important. Um, you, you cannot undermine uh, being exposed to, uh, you know, these amazing professors and lecturers that are um, delivering the course, but also you can um, tap into their own own journey and experience. Like, working with Andrew Ng or some of, the, some of these professors that are pioneers in the AI, it's inspiring. And you will get more than just the course material, definitely. So I guess the real value in, in pursuing the education at that level in the actual physical university, not necessarily the fact that this course is teaching you this thing better than that other university over there. It's 
the entire atmosphere, being around like-minded individuals, being around prestigious professors and, and things like that, that really make that experience so unique. Yeah, 100%. When it comes to learning, right? And I think that to be a data scientist, you for sure have to be like a lifelong learner. You always have to continually be, be learning. And that's what I love about the field is that every day I, I probably learn something new. I mean, not probably, absolutely every day I learn something new and I absolutely love that. But I, I, I get this, this question from, from a lot of my mentees where it's like, oh, what's the best resource for this? Or what's the best resource for that? When it becomes, honestly, like the, the concepts are the same across all the resources, right? What makes something, like, is it, is it really trying to work through this question? So I apologize. Is it the internal drive to learn something that's more important than the resource you're learning from itself. I guess which is more important in this equation when it comes to learning something new? Yes, you touched on an interesting point. All the fields are advancing super fast, but in particular, AI and data science is just crazy. Like you literally go to sleep and wake up the next day, it's just the whole world changed. Like um, you have new libraries, you have... uh, a lot of interesting tools and, and platforms available and, and um, things are becoming more um, automated, faster, easier, more convenient. At the same time, there are lots of many choices available. So sometimes you need to um, learn a couple of different ways of doing one thing, which is totally fine and, and understandable. But then that, that makes AI and data science kind of um, um, students to become super active on learning. And I guess one particular skill that will be very important for them is just understanding how to learn. Understanding how to learn isn't a skill. And because you don't have much time to, to waste, right? You don't have much... So if you search Python right now on Google, uh, you will find probably a couple of thousand courses and you don't have a chance to try them all. That's not possible. And that's even only one uh, very small specific area that you need to um, tap into to become a data scientist. So then um, I guess that's, that's the skill to find the right resource. And the right resource can be uh, different for different people. And that's totally fine. So there is no one winner at all. And that's a great news for us as teachers and lecturers because uh, whatever um, we provide, there would be some specific students that uh, would kind of resonate with the way we are providing those courses. And there's no one size fits all. So, So first of all, uh, if you want to have a balance between uh, the drive to learn and the resources itself, I would say um, it's pretty much um, more towards the drive because when you are um, uh, passionate and and kind of enthusiastic about learning, you would spend a little bit of more time and find more and more resources and you find your way within the i guess noise as well there's always going to be a noise and yeah it's just 
us to push through all these noises to find the best material. Um, so yeah, I guess that's the major skill and more important than resources itself because that's um, that's something still subjective and you can never uh, uh, be 100% accurate about it. Yeah, learning how to learn is a super crucial skill. It's crazy that, at least in, you know, being born, raised in North America, going to school here from elementary school, I do not once remember taking a class on how to learn. Every class I've been through, they're like teaching me stuff. They're saying things to me about other things, but no one has ever taught me how to actually learn something. And that is something I have to go and learn on my own. And it's interesting, like I've got like a seven-month-old baby upstairs and babies have to learn how to sleep, right? And then we train them and we teach them how to, you know, to go to sleep. It just only makes sense that we should learn how to learn. Yeah, I think that's in kind of a new phenomenal that like people are thinking about learning how to learn as a thing. As uh, I guess it's not very long time ago that we found that that's going to be crucial. And that's because just things are going so fast forward and there are lots of materials out there and you don't get the chance to um, to just try an error, uh, kind of like do a trial and error for a very long time. Uh, you'll miss the opportunity, right? So that's where it became super crucial for people um, to be very effective and efficient. And I guess that's something that you... Uh, I think I found it as a gamer uh, because whenever there's a new game, you need to super quickly learn how to uh, beat the AI or kind of the uh, the bot, uh, the your opponent. And um, it's a sort of um, like a mindset and a structure learning of uh, how to become more efficient and um more skillful in anything. And data science is one of those fields where like, definitely you have to learn. There's a lot to learn, but it's like learning is not enough, right? I've got a lot of mentees who they're like, oh, I learned linear algebra. I've learned programming. I've learned all these classic machine learning algorithms. I can't get a job. Why can't I get a job? Is there something that I, that I need to, should I learn deep learning? Should I learn this? Should I learn that? And it's like, is that the reason people aren't getting jobs? Is it because you need to continue to learn more or is there something else you need to do with everything that you have learned? Yeah, so I guess there, there are lots of reasons for a learner not finding a job. And that's um, that can be lack of experience. It can be um, not deeply understanding the topics and many other reasons that can be soft skills. Um, but as a rule of thumb, always ask people to be more hands-on because at the end of the day, you want to join a company to deliver some value. And even if you know how to calculate backpropagation on paper, that's great. That's um, totally understandable. But uh, that might not to directly translate to any value for that company, right? So you need to... Um, understand how to do, for example, end-to-end -end production of your machine learning algorithm. And you don't do it necessarily when you're learning materials because there's 
not much incentive into doing things like this. It's something that you would like to do when you're um, delivering some value for the for your users, right? And also, a lot of time we kind of are very soft on ourselves. For example, if you're uh, solving a problem, you would probably find a, a a data set online, and that data set might not might not be representative of the real world. That's already clean. It's already collected in an um, Excel sheet or CSV format, and everything is a uh, kind of uh, you're exposed to the like unrealistic situation, and that's not something that you will get in um, um, in your future job. So I guess my um, suggestions to everyone will be try to find some real world problems that can be through hackathons, that can be through Kaggle competitions. I'm not saying Kaggle competitions are all um, real world kind of uh, experience that's not that's the reality if you think um, like you're you're gonna work um, like you're doing in the Kaggle um, uh, fighting for one percent or half a percent spending like a couple of months that's probably not true and we haven't seen many of our data science leaders in Kaggle like um, I don't know, Andrew Ng has done much Kaggle competitions or um, Jeff Hinton is even trying to uh, win a Kaggle. So that's not for everyone. That's not um, 100% the reality. But it's still something that's available and you can get some value out of it. From there, you do need to have some internship. You need to offer some free um, voluntary time to to learn more um and i always say just reading papers and books is not going to give you any um, chance to find a job in this very competitive environment and even if you don't get like an internship or, or a research assistant position you don't need to have a job to get data science experience necessarily if you could put yourself through a apprenticeship phase where once you've learned and mastered the basics, you can then say, all right, cool, I'm going to do a project and I'm going to do this project as if I was doing it for work, as if this was a real project that I was going to present to stakeholders and treat it like that, work in that professional type of manner. And you can replicate that experience. And in some ways, I would find that more impressive because that shows that somebody is disciplined interested in the field and is has the I guess fortitude to put themselves through this this type of process and, and lead themselves uh, so yeah, I definitely agree with that Steve I know we're getting short on time so I'm gonna ask you one final question before we jump into a random round and we'll do a few questions from the random round here it is 100 years in the future what do you want to be remembered for so I would like to be remembered as I guess as a AI evangelist that help encourage and inspire a lot of people to um, get into this field and um, innovate and experiment. That's, I guess, that's the most important thing I would like to uh, be known of. And that's kind of my personal branding that I'm exercising on social media as well to add value directly by 
showcasing what are the opportunities out there and what can be done by this um, amazing, um, uh, I guess, technology and uh, how I can make more people interested and empowered to um, do more interesting stuff. Absolutely love it, Steve. Absolutely love that. So let's jump into a quick random round. First question is, what is your absolute favorite video game of all time? I guess uh, Civilization is the um, most favorite game of my uh, all time for me. I still, uh, every now and then, would love to just play a good couple of hours of building a new nation and playing a little bit, but that I, I don't get that much chance these days. If you could be any video game character, who would it be? I guess I remember playing Warcraft a couple of years ago, and there there is a game called Dota. I don't know if uh, you've heard of it, but Dota is a game in the Warcraft, and I like the characters in Dota. They're like awesome characters that they have their own interesting skills i guess for me i know drew ranger would be a good one when do you think the first video to hit one trillion views on youtube will happen and what will that video be about you mean the video about the game no just any video on youtube like uh, right now the current current leader of most views is the baby shark video and that has something like eight billion views or something like that so I'm, I'm curious, when do you think the first video to get a, one trillion views will be? And what would that one be about? Uh, that's, um, that's also tough because um, I love um, YouTube, but I don't actually uh, don't analyze any of the trends on YouTube. I just uh, randomly watch some, uh, some interesting videos uh, related to either my field or randomly some entertainment things about food or different countries. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure if I, I can give you any good prediction there, but if it's me, it would be something about uh, an interesting 3D technology that um, maybe augmented reality uh, that would be kind of um, out of this world um, technology that will be available in the next couple of years and people will just go super uh, um, crazy about the, uh, the being in like having that kind of access to this particular um, technology. What are you currently reading? So as you know, I do a lot of reading and searching and and uh, exploring on the internet, and that's not necessarily like um, just reading a particular book. Um, more um, on top of the trends, if it is article coming out, uh, papers and projects, so more kind of uh, into learning the, the latest trends by um, checking the articles and papers. But I, I've received a, um, a book from Andre Burkhoff. It's about data engineering. And this is something I 
or just read through if I do have extra time out of my very busy day. What song do you currently have on repeat? Maybe Dance Monkey is one of them. I have to check that one out. I haven't heard that one yet. All right, let's do just a couple quick questions out of the random question generator here. Pizza or tacos? Pizza. What's your favorite book? I guess if you, you want to think about the computer science book, it, it would be Andrew Nagoyan's um, um, Machine Learning Yarning. That's a good book, yeah. What was the best compliment you have ever received? I need to think about it, but I just um, I would rather just say uh, people that sending me messages about how some particular content inspired them to um, to do something great. That's that's the most interesting, impactful kind of I guess thing that I would be more proud of. Final one here. What's one of your comfort foods? The comfort food would be ramen, I guess. Nice. Steve, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to come out to the show today. I really, really appreciate you uh, taking time out of your schedule and, and you know talking to us about what it takes to be a LinkedIn uh, influencer and just everything else, man. Thank you. Thank you very much, Charpreet. I enjoyed it a lot. It was uh, um very, very kind of casual and enjoyable talk. We'll also get something, some value out of it. 